This episode uh, is either going to be the shortest or I the hope, longest. I hope we it will be the. Sh- I hope it will be the shortest. <laughs> All right. Well, so what are we drinking? We. Are <laughs> oh yeah, we didn't talk about that, did we? <laughs> I, I, have a, I have a recipe. All right, that's going to be all on you then when we get to it. All right. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> so. Um, so we read yeah. this short story. I actually listened to it online. There was like people like acting it out very poorly. Really? Yeah. Somebody was mm-hmm. a, there was a narrator, and then there was some actors doing the different voices, and it, went, it was about an hour long. It yeah, was, it's about an hour long story. Yeah, uh, the uh, I, I listened to it as well, uh, like three or four times. Oh um, yeah, I listened to it twice because one time I fell asleep when I wrote. Yeah, well, that's going to happen. So uh, so let's uh, let's remind our listener why we chose this story. <laughs> yes, really. <laughs> yes, why. Tell us, Mike. One, why did we, why did we <laughs> choose this story? So uh, this came out of an idea from uh, two books ago when we read Brian Evanson's *The Last Days*, which is all about an amputation cult. Right. And then from that, I it spurred me into uh, maybe doing a couple of more, two more books or stories about um, sort of body horror and, and horror about people's relationships with their body. So we read Crash. We saw you read Crash, which was, um, distasteful, but illuminating. Yes. And, and then we came, uh, and, but this was this story right here. It's just one story by Flannery O'Connor, not very long, uh, was the first thing that I thought about because it's about ultimately, uh, this woman's relationship with her body. Not ultimately, but that's that's the cru- that's a crux of the story, because she has a wooden leg, an artificial leg. Uh, so anyway, uh, so should we uh, narrate? Should we sort of give the pricey of the story? What the? Sure. So there's a woman named Joy, but her real name, but she changed her name to Holga. Holga. <laughs> she lives with her mother. Um, she's 31 years old. She yes. has a PhD in philosophy. They live yep. in the South. Her mother is um, kind of lives off of cliche sayings. Yes, she does. And has a, a certain, she has a, a disappointment in her daughter. Yes. Um, and really the story is, you know, there's this the resentment between the daughter and the mother. The, they're both mm-hmm. sort of passive aggress- aggressive. The yes. daughter changed her name from Joy to Holga to just to get back at her mother. Just a spider, <laughs> just yes. Just a spider choosing the ugliest name. Yeah. Um, so they're sort of coexisting together. The uh, Holga can't believe her mother is just so 
simple, cool. simple and closed headed. Yeah. About things and and uh, but Holga is also closed minded headed yes. as well, on the other yes, end of is. the spectrum. And anyhow, so. so they're kind of living this bleak life. Holga has a uh, one leg. And really, in the beginning of the story, they don't say too. They don't make too much about it. It's just mentioned. No. But she also yeah. has some other kind of condition, that a heart condition, a heart condition that maybe she won't live until her forties or whatever. Yeah. So this yeah. is this is probably something that's uh, uh, weighing on her quite a yes. bit. Yes. Yes. And uh, so in into this uh, into this uh, little setup, scene yeah. comes the gentleman caller. He's a yes. he is a Bible salesman. He wears yeah. he has yellow socks that fall down because <laughs> he, he's not wearing his his sock suspenders. His, his, his gaiters, <laughs> yes. And um, he sweet he kind of sweet talks the mother, and it gets invited mm -hmm. to dinner and kind of sweet talks uh, Holga and they meet. Um, and she, he drops. He, he drops the fact that he also has a heart condition, and he says he has uh, a heart condition. She says she's an atheist. He says he don't, he's an atheist. She doesn't believe in anything. He doesn't believe in anything. Oh they, well, though no, that's that's that comes out at the very end. But um, they walk out into the. They meet. You know, she yes. kind of begrudgingly uh, meets with him, but as she anticipates meeting him, she gets more excited. And, yes, uh, She's, she, she wants to seduce him. She wants to uh, um, sort of lord her intelligence over him. Yes, and they go out. Seduce to, him. They go out to a barn, and he sweet talks her, and she they kiss, but she's not very taken with that at first. Uh huh. And, and he, he kind of reveals that his he's carrying his uh, briefcase, his Bible uh, sales case. And there's really uh, there's one Bible that's cut out that has whiskey in it, yep. like a whiskey bottle. And does the other one cut out too and has condoms the other one? The other one's something? cut up. It has has condoms, condoms. And, a, and a deck of a deck of dirty cards. Dirty cards with like you know like a burlesque nudie, yeah. nudie cards. Nudie cards. And yep. uh, and he is really fascinated with her leg, and he wants her to take it off. And she does, and then puts it back on, and then he takes it off, but then he doesn't give it to her, and he runs off with her leg, basically. Yeah. And leaves yeah. her legless, and they, you know, he took her glasses off at one point, and I don't yes. remember him getting, he, her getting, he, getting her glasses he does, back. He does not give her her glasses back, and which he admits that he, Yeah, and he admits that he's taken other parts from other women, like, like their, a, somebody's their glass, glass eye. eye and yep. so, and he just scampers off, and... Yeah. The mother sees him and talks about him being good country people. And good country people. He's such a nice boy. <laughs> that, so that's the so, story in a nutshell. So that's the nutshell. story. Exactly. So, um, it's a, uh, so what do you know? So what do you know about Flannery O'Connor? Have you ever read her before? You know, I, I have, but not a lot. I mean, she wrote, um, uh, was it a Rose for... No, that's Faulkner. Oh, that's Faulkner. Rose, Rose for Emily. A Rose for Emily. Um, yeah, she, I don't. She wrote, I, I read stuff a long time ago, maybe in high school. So yeah, she. she uh, her other most famous story is uh, probably um, a good man a good is man hard to find. It's hard to find. Yeah, which is about a serial killer killing an entire family. Yeah, we read that you and I. We might have. Because I'm I not sure. Yeah, we read that. We might not have talked about it, but we both yeah. read it. Yeah. Yeah. 
what has the end, the last line in that is, um, she'd have been a good woman if somebody had had a gun to her head her entire life. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, but, but she's considered Gothic, right? Southern Gothic, Southern Gothic, but she's also a a Catholic writer. Yeah. Um, her books, her stories have a theology in them. Yeah. So what's uh, the theology of this? Do you think? The theology, I think the theology of this is a variation of her main, uh, her main trick, which is that um, when God's grace comes into your life, it will fuck you up. <laughs> so, yeah, I was listening to a professor of, it must have been an English professor at a Catholic university. There was a video and he was talking sure. about this story. Mm-hmm. And he was, what he said was, you know, and I don't know, I'm just parroting what he said, was that, was that Flannery O'Connor was basically saying that the modern, the modern era and its existential, um, I don't know anything, there is nothing. There's nothing beyond it. Yeah. Well, is going to lead to trouble. Yes. And, and that this story illustrates what happens when that yeah. philosophy is followed, and yeah. that, that in his and his his premise was that 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 existentialism was going to permeate the culture, eventually mm-hmm. just percolate through the culture, and, yeah. And what we're and seeing so, now is the outgrowth of that. Uh, yeah, and so that bubbles in that bubbles into the story in two spots when uh, uh, Joy Hulga's uh, mother picks up one of her books and there's this story about uh, there's this little phrase about um, that science uh, must look at the nothing behind nothing and see the nothing that is there and that nothing is nothing um, and that uh, and later on in the story when uh, when uh, Joy and uh, the uh, the Bible salesman are up in the haymow um, she explains that she doesn't believe in God she doesn't believe in nothing um, and he eventually tells her I was believing in nothing long before, before you were, yeah, before before you were, were born. ever in school. Well, he's <laughs> younger than her or something, I think. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. Yeah, she is. He is. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, that's right. Um, but, but she does believe in something. And that's the thing. When they talk about her leg, so they, they explain early on in the story that she, got, she lost her leg in a hunting accident at uh, right. a, a shotgun blew it clean off. She never passed out, so she felt all, all of, of that it. pain. Yeah. She felt all of it. Um, and that's all they talk about. She doesn't talk about it other than that until the very end when uh, the Bible salesman asks her, "You can you show me how the leg joins on, where the leg joins on, and show me how to do it? And she may not even realize it, um, but that is the center of her being. That is the most intimate thing in her life. And he went right for it. Um, the leg or where the leg joins the yeah. artificial leg. Where the arti- yeah. yeah, where her real leg joins the artificial leg. Yeah, that's, that is her, um, it's almost her, like, her fucked up religion. It's what's left of her, of her faith. Is, uh, she believes in the ugliness of the world. It's symbolized um, and manifested in her wooden leg. And uh, and he finds it and he takes it. Well, um, but I would say that really she doesn't believe that because underneath that I think she believes something else, but she doesn't want to admit it to herself. 
she's that's 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 what happens i'm guessing that's the implication that's what happens after the story so did you catch that that little um that uh that sneaky little bits at the end when he takes her glasses and she looks out at the uh, at the at the fields and she calls it a green lake right and then when she sees him the last time he's leaving yes uh, with her with her leg and her glasses yes and he walks across the green lake yes um, so that uh, people have been debating uh, for a long time whether that makes him Jesus walking on the water well it's quite a stretch but okay it, it's it's quite a stretch but um, so but, uh, I think Flannery O'Connor would argue that, that Jesus he, comes as the devil <laughs> yeah that right. he comes he comes uh, as a, a uh, trickster he's a trickster as, he's a trickster or he's a um, he's the uh, he may not be Jesus, but he is certainly God's instrument, even right. though he doesn't realize it. Like he's right. doing good in the world by showing her dirty cards and a condom and, try, and trying. Well, to what's the good clues. that? What's the good that? I mean, all of this is speculation because we don't know what she does with what ha- just happened. Oh, of course not. We don't. So, um, I mean, the way the story ends is where a lot of um, uh, Flannery O'Connor's story ends. Uh, stories end, which is. Um, you have uh, this, these characters uh, just butting heads because they have different belief systems. And um, then there's uh, uh, something awful that happens. Uh, uh, a woman dies on the, on a, a, a man's mother dies on the sidewalk. Um, a serial killer comes and shoots members, every member of the family. Um, an itinerant Bible salesman steals your wooden leg. <laughs> and that's the last thing that happens, and uh, everything else. There's no denouement really after that, and uh, but what has happened is that the uh, the misconceptions, the ungodly ways of the characters, the main characters, have been dismantled, literally removed from their bodies and taken away, um, and uh, and that is makes room for them to. Improve, get better, live, get get right with God. It could. Yeah. It's funny because really nothing happens to the mother. No, and, and she's, she's um, and she seems pretty heinous in a way, but she's almost like a red herring. The story isn't really. The story starts out about being about her, but it really isn't about her. Yeah, it starts with her and her uh, her uh, like her helper, her uh, like her servants her maid or um, whatever her maid or yeah, her her, yeah. woman of all work or whatever her yes. char her charwoman <laughs> charwoman and uh and it ends with them too yeah uh that they don't see they don't see uh, him for what he is um or the daughter for what she is i don't think um but i mean you can get you can get even more allegorical in this story i mean her name at the beginning is joy and uh when she loses her leg, um, she she becomes Hulga in spirit and eventually Hulga by name. Uh, just ugly and um, nihilistic, and and but she's also failure to launch. She's still living at home. But really, I mean, there's no even the mother isn't isn't a uh, a role that you want to model yourself, a person you want to model yourself after either. No. There's. There's no, no nothing that's presented as something that you would go. Um, oh yes, this is the this is the counterpoint to yeah 
uh, Holga or the yeah. mother or none of it. If they're all yeah. equally um, awful, awful in a way, awful in different in different in ways. Different yeah, ways. I mean, yeah, I mean the the mother is um, she's she's foolish and she's her, her all her all of her thinking is cliche. Um, what is the thing? And that she won't uh, look at herself. She won't. She doesn't admit that no. she's wrong, and she doesn't. No. She's not self-reflective. No. And the daughter yeah. is self. You know, the daughter apparently is self-reflective, but it. Well, she thinks she is, but um, right. when she gets because she, she, she gets that. Yeah, yeah when she gets that leg. When she gets that leg and her uh, her glasses stolen, now she's she literally cannot see the rest of the world. She can't. Um, uh, she has to look into herself. Um, and uh, and she's stuck up in that barn. Yeah, how the hell is she gonna get down from that barn? <laughs> she, she, she'll be able to, but like how? But she has to like still also get back to the house and be humiliated. The humiliation is going to be excruciating because um, she's so proud. Um, yeah, it's uh. So, like I said, I, well, you I could if this. you're gonna allegorize it, right? You could say that he's the snake in the garden. Yep. Right. Yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of crazy theology games you can play with this. Like, you know, if um, if uh, uh, God is all powerful, then then Satan is God's instrument. Well, Satan and actual actually, and Satan is not. Satan is one of the the host of God's court originally. Yeah. Satan yep. was not in opposition to God. No. Satan was one of. Satan was one of God's helpers, so to speak. He yeah, play, Satan played a role in the in yep. the, the court of Yahweh. Yes, <laughs> but um, yeah, but uh, it's just it's it's fascinating to me. I was there was a time when I was really uh, interested in reading Flannery O'Connor's stories, and you know she died young. I mean, she has similarities. She has. Uh, um, uh, She's reflected in the character of Holga Joy, um, because she, uh, at this point when she was writing the story, she probably knew that she was dying of lupus. Oh. Um, uh, and she, I mean, she she died when she was what, thirty six, thirty eight. Um, she has uh, enough short stories to fill a, a volume, and two novels and a bunch of letters, and then she died. That was it, and she died in a lot of pain. Um, and, uh, she, uh, I think she, you know, never really left home. She couldn't. Um, I mean, she wow, went to the Wow, that sounds like that character completely. Very much so. In fact, and she was famous for, uh, being fascinated with peacocks, and she actually talks about a peacock, uh, in this story. Peacocks show up in her books a lot. <laughs> so, do you, so let's, so within the parameters of our podcast what is such the, as they are well they have devolved greatly this these last three books that we read Hugely. Um, um, I was telling somebody I'm like I can't wait to be done with this so we can get back to our normal um, horror Absolutely. stories Absolutely. But if if there was a if we were going to say well, there's a horror element in this yes what what would you say it is i would say um in as much as uh flannery o'connor is almost pure southern gothic um uh these these broad grotesque characters 
every I mean, every character in the story is is a grotesque in some way, uh, a moral grotesque. Um, uh, uh, there's body. There's uh, you know non uh, non normal body types. I'll put it that way. Um, there's uh, uh, you know just, just blind ignorance and uh, uh, and then there's just like just treating people like shit. I mean, uh, the, uh, the traveling preacher uh, collects people's most precious things. Um, a, a woman's uh, glass eye, another woman's uh, uh, wooden leg, artificial leg, and glasses. Those are her artificial, those are her props um, for her, the deficiencies of her body. Um, yeah, and, it's real. Yeah, and, and also he, he steals... You know, she she may have opened herself up in other ways <laughs> because well, she exactly. was, because she was starting to feel wanted and hopeful yep. and and that's what I'm saying. That's what's underneath all her yeah. nihilism, right? Is this other yeah, yeah. this other it's, thing? And I don't know what yeah, you would well, call it, but it's under there, hidden, yeah, hidden uh, by all that. Yeah, thinking. all that bitterness. Yeah. yeah, that bitterness and over-intellectualization. And, um, Which, you know, I went to school with a lot of philosophy majors, and they mm-hmm. all went through phases like that because you're just yeah. so, it so Fs you up. Yes. People would have nervous, the philosophy majors were prone to having nervous breakdowns. Yeah. And uh, I think this is what happened with her. Like her mom said, well, that's stuff that's from... Greek and Roman times. What it has no, it has no, has no bearing. No bearing of the mo- in the modern era. It's like a useless yeah. thing to study. <laughs> yeah, when in fact she's reading stuff like uh, like Sartre and uh, and Heidegger and things like that. Right. You know, the, um, uh, Which will uh, mess with your head. <laughs> it'll mess with your head um, once you once you uh, set aside God and meaning and purpose, and you say the only meaning that is there is what you have to make yourself. Um, what if you can't make any? What if you can't do that? You're kind of screwed. Well, in a way, she'll have to make a meaning out of this. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So the thing that I see over and over again, I've, you know, and I, I didn't just read this one story by Flannery. Um, I read a couple of the other ones, too, just once, just to sort of get the, the flavor. And so I reread uh, Good Man is Hard to Find, and I reread... Um, uh, Everything that rises must converge, mm. uh, which is a um, one of her later stories. It's about a, a young man. This is very. This is a very interesting story to read now. It's about a young man who is uh, stuck at home with his parent, with his mom, very similar to this mom, uh, who is extraordinarily uh, uh, prejudiced and racist. Um, but uh, they come from a wealthy family that has come down on the world, so they have to take the bus. And so they're on this bus, and this whole drama goes on where the young man uh, is rubbing his mother's nose in the fact that he is not racist. And so he's, like, reaching out awkwardly to any black bus rider um, and uh, just driving his mother crazy um, and making a fool out of himself and making all these other bus riders really uncomfortable. And, um, and the story ends with um, uh, him and her getting off the bus to go to the Y for her. She has like some knitting club or meeting that she's going to. And, um, 
and they get in this argument and then she has a heart attack and uh, starts and falls down and he's that's it he's like she's dying right in front of me and what do I do and that's the end of the story um, and uh, he's struck like a lightning bolt I mean his his actions are in the right place but his heart is never in the right place um, and uh, so I was reading that just just before George Floyd died mm-hmm. like two days before <laughs> mm-hmm. again so uh, anyway um, but yeah I think the horror is just how horrible people the horror about regular people yeah just and how people, people treat each other how they treat themselves yep how they how they're horrible to themselves yeah. and to each other and yeah. it's all painted over in a veneer of southern gentility or, or exactly and it's you know which was uh, highly suspect in intellectual circles in the 60s because everybody was watching you know fire uh, fire hoses uh being trained on uh uh, uh, um, uh black uh, pro- uh civil rights pr- uh demonstrators and stuff like that and um uh, and she plays into that but she tries to find but she wants to believe uh, it because that's the she thing she to, says in the end. Wait a second. You said you were a good country people. And yeah. you're not. Like, she wants to believe it. Yeah, she wants to believe it. But, uh, but yeah, there's no good country people. <laughs> right. We're yeah. all awful. <laughs> we're all awful. No, the thing that, the thing that I most enjoy, the thing that uh, makes, for, for me, Flannery O'Connor arguably a horror writer, is that... Um, uh, she does what remember back in the day this is probably our first or second year of doing this podcast we read that those Christian writers oh, yeah. uh, who tried to write a horror The novel. House The House it was called The House I think and we oh we just hated it uh, hated what was his name was it Ted Decker I can't remember the guy's name there were two of them right Decker there was, and there was, there was two of Decker them Decker right? and something Perot or Pierre something, or something. something like that yeah this, I think, is actually good Christian horror um, because um, th- the horrible things that happen, uh, Flannery O'Connor would say, that is, that is God's hand working in the world. Um, that, that, that preacher stealing your leg, that is grace entering your life. You don't know it yet. It's going to take you some time, but you will figure it out. That is God's grace changing your life, which you don't deserve. <laughs> right, horrible grace. Yeah, horrible grace. It's not the most horrible grace that Flanner that that gets visited upon characters in an O'Connor story, but it's it's that's up there. <laughs> it's up there. Uh, well, that sounds like a good moment to uh, imbibe and southern southern beverages. Of <laughs> Excellent. <some sort. laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, let's uh, have our cocktail time. It is cocktail time. Well, Mike Stoffel, well, let me tell we, you about it. What are we drinking? Okay. <laughs> well, this is a fairly simple drink. Um, it's a it's a three shot drink. A shot of this, a shot of that, and a shot of another thing. So the first thing is just some bourbon, good bourbon. We're using Elijah Craig here today. Oh yeah. Um, the second shot is uh, a ginger liqueur. Uh, I've been using Domaine de, de Canton. Oh, yeah. Um, but you can get other kinds. So you can make some yourself. It's not hard to make a ginger liqueur. Um, and then the third shot is uh, Campari. A shot of each. 
shake them with ice, um, and decant it into a uh, flask, and put it in a hollowed-out Bible. <laughs> <laughs> and what are we calling this uh, libation? It's called uh, Hooch in the Bible. Hooch in the Bible. <laughs> it should have been called Hooch in the Cooch, but... Uh, <laughs> no, hooch, no, no. Hooch in the Pooch. <laughs> hooch in the Bible. <laughs> All right. It's good. It's different. It's different. The, the ginger really, like, knocks, that, uh, knocks the, uh, the, um, the Campari, like, even, makes it even more bitter and, like, effective. It is. I would like a splash of soda in this one, but... Uh, that is entirely it, up to you. It would be, it would be up to me. Yes. All right. That's good. That's right. it. Chin chin. Chin chin. Well, um, we haven't talked about what's happening next, so I'm just going to leave it up to you. So let's head on down to the basement. Let's, let's head on to the basement. We're in the basement, and it's time for a basement conversation. What are we? Here we are, down are in the basement. Have? Well, uh, low these many months, uh, we had discussed going back and reading some more Brian Evanson. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, which I'm happy to do, or um, but we don't have to. Or, or that's, that's your cue. I was hoping you had some ideas. All right. Uh, gosh, what do I want to listen to? You know what? I kind of want to listen to um, a uh, a horror novel or horror something by a by a person of color. All right. Um, I've been reading about this, uh, this writer. Her name is Carmen Maria Machado. Okay. Um, and she has a book of short stories. Okay. Like, to like four stories. All right. And I think it's called, Does she have I think a it's novel? called, uh, I think she has a memoir about uh, being in an abusive relationship. Yeah. That's it. Those are her two books. Uh, the, the short story book is called, uh, My Body and Other Parties. Hmm. Um, and it might be good. Certainly getting lots of good notice. Is it horror? Yeah, it's being marketed as a horror novel. I mean, horror, horror stories. So, all right. You know, I always think it's hard to talk about horror stories. So you're going to have to lead that one. Well, uh, I'm going to do that. Although I will, because uh, there's probably, I think there's only like four or five stories in it. We can concentrate on like two or three, and we can just sort of divvy them up. Okay. Well, there the book is like two hundred something pages. Yeah. Two hundred and fifty-four pages. Okay. I don't know. I mean, we don't have to. Well, let's we do it. let's up. do it as a palate cleanser. We will uh, cleanse our palate. And then we we're will. Not gonna t- we're not going to talk about every story in the book. How about that? We'll just give ourselves a pass. Well, once we're reading through it, you and I will either pick one or two or three stories, and we'll dig in. She won the Shirley Jackson Award for a collection. There it is. She won the Bart, the Bard, no, the Bard Fiction Prize, the John Lennon, the John Leonard Prize, and the Landa Literary Award for lesbian fiction. Oh dear Lord! <laughs> it's going to be great. <sighs> it ticks all the boxes. It ticks all the boxes. Well, Let's give it a try. All right. All right. I'm game. It's Whatever. one book. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna set it up. I mean, we could like do it over three episodes. No, if you really no, want to dig no. Into we'll do one episodes. book and then we'll one and done. We'll one and done. One it. and done. It's that time. Right. It's that kind of time of the year. 
It's that time woman. of the year. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I can concentrate past a short story, actually, <laughs> into a exactly. novel, right? Yeah, I know. Things are a little distracted here in, right. in Doppelton. Yes, they are. Well, <laughs> let's... Um, I don't know. Maybe we should just stay in the basement. <laughs> it is cooler down here. It's isn't cooler. It? There's no COVID. There's no. <laughs> there's no rioting. There's no looting. <laughs> I'm never gonna get out of this basement. We have a metal door to keep us protected. I know. <laughs> Squeaky and clangy. Right. <laughs> well, I suppose we have to go and face oh, reality. Oh, right. All right. Here we go. We're out of the Fine. Reluctantly, we're out of the basement. Here we are. Anything else about this short story of Flannery O'Connor's? Um, not, not really. I mean, this story, um, I've read it now many times, and only the, like, the last reading or two did it really open up for me. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think Flannery, Flannery O'Connor I think is, a, is a fairly difficult author. But once you, like, once you sort of key into how she makes her stories, and I think I finally have done so now at least i have a good purchase on this one um i think if i go back and read some of her other stories again which i was always delighted with their grotesqueness and um their fucked up endings um but i think they'll actually like their like her meaning what she's what she's trying to convey will um will land with me better now that i've actually like spent the time i needed to with one of the stories it almost reminded me more of like a twilight zone episode yeah, I get that. Sure. And uh, maybe in Southern, Southern Gothic, there should be a category called Southern Grotesque. Sure. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. She also yeah, kind of most... reminded me of a Southern Shirley Jackson. Well, very much so. Yeah. I think, I don't know if they knew each other. I hope that, I kind of wish that they, I kind of hope that they did. But they probably hated um, each other is what I think. Yeah, that, that, yeah, I know that uh, um, she was, uh, you know, Flannery O'Connor was a pretty uh, uh, avid correspondent, and she was in conversations with like major theologists, uh, uh, theologians like uh, Reinhold Niebuhr and Thomas Merton, and um, so that you know, heavy heavyweight, uh, uh, maybe uh, Dorothy Day even. Oh wow! Um, yeah, like heavy duty Catholic um, theologians and leaders. Um, so. Uh, I never did read her letters. Um, I owned all those books. I just like bought everything I could by Flannery O'Connor when I was in graduate school and wow. put them on my shelf. Put them on my well. There's not that much. Yeah. And I put them on my shelf and put my hands on my hips and smiled and then turned around and read something else. And put, stuck your thumb in the pie and said, "What a good boy am I? <laughs> what a good boy am I? <laughs> looky me, looky me." <laughs> Precisely. Um, any well, I don't have anything else to add other than the world has been horrible, and um, that's about I, where I'm at right that's, now. Yeah, yeah. This is this last month hasn't been a good uh, time to be in Doppeltown, and the last uh, uh, the last three months hasn't been a great time to be a, uh, a human. And then when um, you think about it, probably the last 400 years, it hasn't been a good time for some people for some yeah. people to be in Doppeltown or anywhere else. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Oh my God. Yeah. So, um, in our, uh, there was an article today I saw, I didn't read the article. I just read the headline and I think the headline was all I, all I personally needed to read, which was, um, uh, when, uh, when black people suffer, white people join book groups. Um, <laughs> so, you know, so, you know that also that's, bugs that's, the hell out of me. 
I know, what, but you know what? I'm, that that is something I can do. That's what something we're doing now, and and we can at least turn this. We can steer the wheel a little bit uh, in a better direction. Well, is this seen as a criticism or? Uh, I. I just sat with the uncomfortableness for a while and, and bought it up here. And now we're going to read um, Maria Carmen Machado. And, uh, and uh, we'll talk some more. Yeah. All right. I will see you. Oh, wait. What are we going to do with this puppy? Oh, um, well, clearly we just need to take his one leg, put it in the suitcase, and walk away. <laughs> right. That sounds good. All right. Okay. See you, Toots. See <laughs> Thank you.